You know, in the Bible, in Matthew chapter 5, it says, Blessed are those that hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be what? Well, I believe that you've come out here because you're hungry, you're thirsty for the Word of God, and indeed, we've already been fed the Word of God this morning. We've been fed about the power of God and how He can change lives, and I've seen it in my life, and I know you've probably seen it in other people's lives. If there was ever a time to be praying for the Holy Spirit, for the filling of the Holy Spirit, we all received the Holy Spirit, or we wouldn't have accepted Jesus as our Savior and Lord. But my friends, there's a difference of accepting Jesus as Savior and Lord and being filled to the brim with the Spirit of the living God. Let's bow our heads for a prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we come here today seeking you, seeking for a blessing from above, seeking to be endowed with power from on high. And Lord, I pray that it would come upon us, not just today, but tomorrow and the next day until you come in the clouds of glory. For we ask it in Jesus' sweet and holy name, amen. Jesus said in Acts chapter 1, verse 8, he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. God wants to give us that power. We heard it this morning, and I, I believe that it's got to happen with us individually. It's got to happen with us corporately. We've got to come together, and we've got to get down on our knees and start praying for the Holy Spirit. Jesus came to give us freedom, and we have that prophecy of the Messiah in Isaiah 61, verse 1. Now, this was fulfilled in Luke chapter 4, verse 18, when Jesus got up in the synagogue, and he said basically the same thing. He was quoting from Isaiah 61. He says, the spirit, the prophet Isaiah says, the spirit of the Lord prophesying about the Messiah, the spirit of the Lord God is upon me, is the spirit of God upon you this morning. Do you feel like something is missing in your life this morning? The spirit of the Lord God is upon me because the Lord has anointed me to preach good news, good tidings to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. You know anybody that's brokenhearted this morning? My friend, uh, this morning, the pastor spoke of his relatives and these people that called him and seeking God. A lot of broken people out there. A lot of brokenness. People feel like Humpty Dumpty that fell off the wall and broke into a thousand pieces. God is calling you and I to be the body of Jesus Christ, to be his representative, to be his ambassador to this planet. We are his hands. We are his feet. We are his lips. Now, my friends, it goes on to say here that he not only came to heal the brokenhearted, but he came to proclaim liberty. What does that word liberty mean? It means freedom. Freedom. And sometimes freedom from what? Freedom from sin, that's what it's talking about. Being captive in that prison of sin to the captives and the opening of the prison to those who are bound. My friends, 
Have you experienced the power of God in your life? Well, no, I, I was raised, you know, as a Christian, I was raised as an Adventist, and I never did any of those goofy things that the pastor was talking about. I never took drugs. I never sold drugs. I never went out there and par party hardy. I, you know, I lived a pretty decent life. My friends, maybe, I don't care if those sins whether it's those type of sins that the world is doing or the sins that the preacher talked about this morning, which is judgmentalism and judging one another, pride of opinion, gossiping, that's sin. And all sin is sin. We all need a Savior. We all need to be delivered from the power of the living God. And now, if I don't have, if I haven't experienced that power of God in my life to set me free, what do I, what do I have to share with anybody else? I can't share what I don't have or what I have not experienced myself. My friends, God has come to set the captive free, free from all kinds of sin, whether it's gossip or whether it's drugs. He's come to set us free from the guilt that results from sin. He set us free from the death that, and the devil and all his evil forces. The Bible says, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Have we this morning, has Keith Knoll, have you been anointed with the Holy Spirit? Jesus was anointed with the Holy Spirit. It says in Acts 10, verse 38, God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power. What is this power that the Scripture is talking about here? Is it power to be a dictator? Is it power to control others? Is it power to manipulate people? What kind of power do we receive when we receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit? My friends, we receive power to witness to others. We're not afraid to have prayer in the restaurant. If we receive power to obey God, my friends, the love of Christ is in us, and that love should be dwelling so strongly that he gives us power to obey. He says, if you love me, keep my commandments. In Romans 13, verse 10, it says, love is the fulfilling of the law. What kind of power did God give? He gave us power to love those that make us angry. That caused us to be frustrated. Have you ever gotten kind of frustrated because a car or a motorcycle just pulled up in front of you when you're going 70 miles an hour on the highway and almost caused an accident? He's gave us power to love those that are in our face, saying ugly, rude things, to have the heart, to have the mind, to have the spirit of the living God. That's what we need today. God has give us, given us power to have joy in the midst of trouble, in the midst of storm. He has given us power to be patient when we don't feel like being patient. To be kind to those that are not very kind to us. To be good to those that are not good to us. Have you ever seen someone that had every right, humanly speaking, and most humans would have maybe punched the other guy out or chewed him out, but instead answered with a gentle, kind spirit. That's God. That's the power of God. 
to do good to those who don't do good to us, to be faithful to God, to ourselves and to all that are around us. As the uh, pastor John said, you know, I lived a rotten life, not quite as rotten as this pastor. <laughs> no, I'm just teasing. Uh, but I, I was into drugs. I was into alcohol. I was a party animal. And I was just a mess before I met my wife and before I came into an encounter with God. And God set me free from all that junk. And I praise his name for it, just like pastor did this morning. And he continues to set me free. I don't know about you, but I'm in a spiritual warfare. And I need God every single day of my life. God, every day I need to be begging him, give me your Holy Spirit. The experience I had yesterday does not suffice for today. You know, I can eat a meal back then. I can eat a meal three weeks ago, but I'm going to be a little bit hungry if I don't eat another meal. I need God every day. I need to be in my Bible. I need to be praying with him. I need to be, because I tell you what, when you're in the Bible, Jesus says, these words are spirit, and they are life. And if you're not into the word every day, I don't see how you can have much oil in your lamp. Much Holy Spirit, God has set me free, and he does so, and continues to do so. Oh, I have not arrived. You know, I have to come to God almost daily. But I thank a God that forgives me 70 times 7. I thank a God that says, Him that cometh to me, I will in no wise cast out. What an awesome God we have. I have not arrived, but like Paul, I say this. But this one thing I do, I pressed towards the mark, to the high calling that is in Christ Jesus. I don't know about you, friends, but I want to go deeper with God. I don't want just to have an ankle experience. I don't want to just have, uh, uh, when it comes to the river of living water, I don't want to just have a knee experience or a waist experience or a chest experience. I want to be totally immersed with the Spirit of the living God. We're on a journey. I was baptized and my wife on May 13th. This is a picture of my wife. She still basically looks the same. But what in the world happened to this guy? That doesn't look anything like me today. But uh, that's me. At 23 years old and I was on fire for God. And my friends, that fire will go out unless you continue your journey. Unless you're pressing towards the throne and having your devotions every day. We might, you know, like I said, we've got to eat every day to stay healthy. My friends, we've got to eat from the word of life if we want to stay healthy. My friends, it saw me change so much. I went up to them and I says, I'm not smoking dope anymore. I'm not drinking anymore. Or, you know, actually, they challenged me. Keith, if you're going to quit smoking dope, then you ought to quit drinking alcohol too because alcohol is a drug. Even though they were drug addicts, they knew that drinking was wrong. I says, you're absolutely right. I'm not smoking. I'm not drinking. I'm not doing any of that anymore. My best friend, uh, my brother was talking to him. We were, he was a mutual friend of both of us. After I got converted, he confided in my best friend. He said, you know, I know Keith is right, but I don't have the guts to do what he's doing. You know what? When I got 
baptized as a Seventh-day Adventist, they thought I had flipped my lid, that I had joined a cult. My dad said, you're not welcome in this home. And so, you know, I saw my sister-in-law. We were good friends growing up. I was best friends with her brother who died in a car accident when he was 14 years old. And she wouldn't even wave at me. You know, if you were raised Adventist and you were raised in your culture, and, you know, you know what challenges have you faced when it comes to, I call that persecution, but it's nothing like the persecution that those people have gone through in the Middle East or in the ages past. I just praise God. I've had so many rich experiences, and I have seen the power of God happen in so many people's lives. When I was a young pastor in Knoxville, Iowa, when I was only 33 years old, I, uh, they didn't have a well, they had computers, but I didn't have one in 1988. And this lady called me up on the phone, Ruby, and she was looking in the phone book, and she wanted somebody to give her Bible studies. She didn't, she didn't trust anybody. She was a bitter, very angry woman, and she had no idea of who to call. She didn't even really believe in God. Well, maybe. She was an agnostic. Let's give God a try. So anyway, she opens up the yellow pages, and just looking of all the pastors, churches, she calls me. I believe in God's providence, don't you? I sure do. And anyway, she told me how she was, that, you know, she didn't trust anybody. She was bitter. She was angry. And I started Bible studies with her. She wanted Bible studies. Uh, I tell you what, I saw that transformation taking place in her life. As we studied the Bible, I saw her smiling more. I saw her trusting more. I saw the anger and the bitterness go away. And the day that she was baptized, Ruby, she became one of my best right-hand workers in that church in Knoxville, Iowa. She started what the tender heart ministry, she called it. She helped me to see the shut-ins, and she recruited other ladies to see shut-ins and to go visit in the hospital and, and prepare food for those that were sick. I just loved her and her heart for God. There was a transformation that took place. The Holy Spirit came down, convicted her of sin, and convicted her that God was a living God. And she surrendered her life to her, and she was totally transformed. Amazing. How do we receive the Holy Spirit? Now listen, we receive the Holy Spirit by simply receiving the Lord Jesus Christ as our Savior, according to John chapter 3, Ephesians chapter 3. But listen more. If you receive the Spirit at the moment of salvation, and you do, then you need the feeling of the Spirit every single day. It's an ongoing process. Oh, yeah, I read the Bible once. Yeah, I got baptized and just walk away. You've got to be in the Word. You've got to be in the book. Paul says be filled with the Spirit. Paul says be strong in the Spirit. We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers. Every day we've got to put on the armor of God. When I was pastoring in Memphis, Tennessee, back in 1999, uh, this man, uh, Justin Howard, his mother called me on the phone, would you please go see my son? 
She had called several Adventist pastors. He was raised in Adventist, but he never knew God. Never really got God. He was like the pastor this morning. He was a drug dealer in nine states in the South. He would take exotic trips all around the world with his girlfriend. And one day, his girlfriend and him got married. They were only married two weeks, but he felt like the cops were pressing in. He says, I'm going to make one last drug deal, and then I'm going to quit this and get a regular job because he just felt the pressure of the cops. He thought he was going to get arrested. So he's making this last big drug deal, and they're exchanging the drugs and the money. And when the exchange took place, it was a sting operation. The police came and threw him on the ground, handcuffed him, took him to jail. When the hearing came, he saw his wife. His wife thought, well, maybe he inherited all this money. She wasn't sure where in the world he got all this money from. And so anyway, she was sitting there, and they said, well, you're guilty of drug dealing, drug trafficking, or whatever. How do you plead? He said, guilty. His wife, he looked at his wife. She was in tears. His wife came to his cell or one of these visiting blocks, and she was talking through the window, through a, you know, the open window. They got a little window you can talk to each other. And she says, you didn't have to do this. I would have washed floors. I would have scrubbed dishes. I would have done anything. There's, you didn't have to do this. And she took off her wedding ring. She laid it down. She says, I'm done. I'm getting a divorce. He walked back to his cell, and he buried his head into a pillow that a thousand other prisoners had buried their head in. And he said, you know, Lord, he's cried out for the Lord for the first time with bugs and cockroaches walking up and down the wall. He just started bawling in his pillow. Well, I came to see him in prison. We started Bible studies. He says, Keith, I'm going to be in here for a while. He says, my wife has left me, and when I get out, I don't know what else to do when I do get out. He says, and I gave him a promise from the book of Joel. I says, God will restore the years that the locusts have eaten. And man, that spoke to his heart. He grabbed onto that promise, and we had our Bible studies. He would bring 30 prisoners. I had to have a room, and we were studying with 30 prisoners. But after the Bible studies were done, he was baptized in 2001, and he gave his heart to Jesus Christ. Got out in 2002, and he started working in his church. And then he went to one of these schools of evangelism. And then he became a Bible worker here in Washington State. Do you remember Justin Howard? And now, today, he is no longer just a, you know, a cellmate or whatever in, in a prison somewhere. Justin Howard, Howard is a pastor of the gospel of Jesus Christ in the Carolina Conference. And he got remarried to that girl. You know, he says, do you think I ought to call her up? I says, what do you got to lose? You got nothing. All she can do is say no. Called her up, started talking to her. They re reunited. She was a Christian by that time. And uh, today they have a 10-year-old daughter. God can restore the years that the locusts have eaten. Our God is an awesome, totally God. The Holy Spirit transforms lives. That's what I'm trying to tell you today. And we need that transformation every single day. 
Every single day, you and I are tested in some way if we are really honest with ourselves. And God wants to give us that Holy Spirit. That's what it says in the book of Acts chapter 2. Notice what it says. Then Peter said to them, Repent. And let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. Now listen, and you might receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. No, it says you shall. It doesn't say maybe. It doesn't say perhaps. It says you shall receive the gift of the Holy. Well, that was for them back then, right? That was for 2,000 years ago, right? I hate these microphones. <laughs> okay. Now, Keith, that's not very Holy Spirit. <laughs> but anyway, uh, you know, it's for us today. How do I know that? Notice what it says in verse 39. For the promise is to you and to your children and to how many? To all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. God calls everybody. But not everybody responds. He desires all men to be saved. He doesn't wish anybody to be lost. My friends, have you, have you started a journey with God? And are you continuing that journey? We need to continue that journey with Jesus. And Christ's object lessons, page 149. She says, all that Christ received from God. Think about this quote. It says, we too may have. Jesus says, all power is given to me. Jesus also said in John 14, 12, very truly, very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will do even greater things than these because I'm going to the Father. And I'm going to send my Holy Spirit. In his time, Jesus impacted the Jews in Israel, but through his followers, he would impact the whole world. They turned the world upside down with, for Christ. They came out and they wondered, you know, are you the people that are filling this town with Jesus Christ? Do they do that here at Winlock to your church? You have filled this town with Jesus Christ. My friends, God has sent us to impact the world. He sent the Spirit in John chapter 14. He says that we need to tarry. Oh, we're all busy. Oh, I'm going to hand out some literature. That's good. That's great. I'm going to give some Bible studies. I'm going to preach at this camp meeting. I'm going to play the piano. I'm going to sing. All of that is for naught if we're not filled up with the Spirit of the living God. Amen. You know, we need to be more like Mary, and I'm a little bit more like Martha. Only one thing is what? And Mary hath chosen that part. Yes. Have we taken the time to stay, stay at the feet of Jesus? Spend time at the feet of Jesus. In Luke 24, before he ascended into heaven, he told his disciples, Behold, I send the promise of my Father upon you, but tarry in the city of Jerusalem until you are endued with power from on high. 
And no one has to twist. You know, I've got a friend. I like him. I baptized him several years ago. But anyway, he says, man, you, it's a command. He says, it's a command. We need to be commanding our people to witness. You know, go out and witness about Jesus Christ. I says, well, you know what? You can, you can twist their arms, but that doesn't really is the way that God does things. I tell you what, they need to see the love of God so much like Jeremiah, his word burns in my heart. He couldn't contain himself. He had to share the message. Amen. That's where we need to be at today. You can have freedom like you've never experienced before. The more connected to Jesus, the more love, joy, peace you will have. We should seek for the fresh baptism of the Spirit every day. Yesterday's bread, that was great. Uh, that smorgasbord was awesome. But I need food today from on high. I want today's bread. I tell you what, when you're filled with the Spirit, your whole mind, your whole, ooh, <laughs> your whole mind and your whole uh, mindset just changes. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. You know about Paul and Silas. They were preaching the Word of God. They were doing what they were supposed to be doing. And then they were whipped they were stoned. I mean, they had been stoned before. Paul had been stoned. He was hungry. But this time they, they had whipped him and Silas, and they threw him in a prison. They put him in shackles. And you know what? The human thing to do, the normal carnal thing to do is say, why, God? Why did you let this happen to us? Here we were preaching the gospel of Christ, and you let us get whipped, and you're supposed to be an all-powerful God. Why are you letting this happen? And now we're in shackles. We're in prison were they doing that they weren't doing that at all they were singing songs and giving praise to God and my friends when we do that it rattles the gates of hell when we are in the spirit and we don't react to things that happen to us but we respond in the spirit I'll tell you what, it defeats the enemy when we're connected to God. Mark Finley was over in Poland back in the 1990s. He was giving evangelistic meetings, and this mother, this guy, his name was Peter. He was a neo-Nazi. He was into the occult. He had a lot of hate and anger, hated his mom, didn't get along with her. Mom started going to Mark Finley's meetings. Well, before those meetings had begun, Peter had a brain tumor, and they think that they thought they had it all taken care of, but the brain tumor came back on him. And this woman brought cassette tapes. Those are the days of cassette tapes. Brought the cassette tapes home, tried to encourage him to listen to him. He started listening to him a little bit, and you know what? He took all of his occult books and burned them, and uh, he you know, dropped out of this neo-Nazi stuff. And, you know, he started looking and listening to what Mark Finley had to say. He started searching the scriptures and you could start to see a transformation taking place. But the brain cancer had come back on him. And anyway, it was coming on strong. One night, a doctor was there. It was about midnight or one o'clock in the morning. And he got a phone call. Mark got a phone call from the mother. And the mother says, please come quick. We don't expect Peter to make it through the night. And when Mark went there at one o'clock in the morning, went up into this apartment, Peter was in convulsions. His eyes were rolling in the back of his head. The whites of his eyes were yellow. And uh, it looked, he was just skinny 
and bones. Anyway, but he came to himself a little bit, Peter did, and he looked at Mark and he says, Mark, please baptize me. And Mark says, Jesus understands Peter. He understands it's one o'clock in the morning, it's winter time, all the churches are locked up. The rivers have ice totally over the rivers. Jesus understands. And he says, please, Mark, please baptize me. And then Mark says, well, you know, the thief on the cross, he couldn't do anything about it. And he was going to be with Jesus. My and he says, it's okay, Peter, it's okay. He says, please, Mark, baptize me. And he told the mother, he turned to the mother, he says, Fill up the bathtub just as full as you can get it. And he picked up Peter, who was just skin and bones, and took him to the bathtub and baptized him in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When he came up out of the water, my friends, he says, I'm hungry. Everybody was surprised. They gave him a little soup. He actually recovered for a while. For the next six weeks, him and his mother had one of the best relationships that a parent could ever think of. Every morning, they would get up and they would pray together. They would read the scriptures together. But after about six weeks, he finally went to his rest from that cancer that he had. But he, my friends, he died in the loving arms of Jesus Christ. That's what I'm all about. You know what I really like? I, I loved liter literature evangelism. I love pastoring. And I got to see souls won there. And I uh, like ministerial directors. You always have to, you were talking about church fights and all this crazy stuff. It is unbelievable to me how everybody hates everybody. Behold how they hate one another. It's unbelievable. So I don't like that part of it, but it's something that God has called me to for this time. The part that I always loved was winning souls to Jesus Christ. To see that light come on. I, and I, the, this is Ellie Froome. Now, I know that, you know, the questions and, uh, questions and answers on doctrine, he really kind of messed up there. But he wrote a book. And just because somebody messes up doesn't mean that God's through with them. Look at Peter. He cursed and denied his Lord that he ever knew him. But anyway, in an earlier book, The Coming of the Comforter, you got to get that book. It's the, one of the best books I've ever read on the Holy Spirit. He said this, I'm convinced that the lack of the Holy Spirit is our worst problem. Would you agree with that? I do. It makes total sense to me. Dwight Nelson from the Pioneer Memorial Church, he made this statement. What a humble statement. He says, our church has to the point of exhaustion developed admirable forms, plans, programs. But if we don't finally admit to our spiritual bankruptcy, the lack of the Holy Spirit, which has overtaken many of us ministers and leaders, then we will never be able to get out of our pro-forma Christianity. And he's 100% right. The Bible says that in the last days they will have a form of godliness, but they will what? Deny the power thereof. The Bible says that in the last days his people will be lukewarm. In the last days they will not have, at least half of them, will not have enough oil, Holy Spirit, in their lamps. Do you feel like something's missing in your life? Do you want to go deeper with God? She says in Selected Messages, book 1, page 122, a revival of true godliness among us is the greatest and most urgent of all 
our needs. To seek this should be our what work? Our first, is it your first work? Is it my first work? You know, I did a Holy Spirit seminar for the conference office in Kentucky 10 the first week of January. And uh, we continued having prayer every day on thir uh, every day at the conference office. On Thursdays, I have pastors call in, and every Thursday, the pastors and I pray for the Holy Spirit. My friends, if we're not praying for the Holy Spirit, there isn't going to be any Holy Spirit. we got to be praying for the Holy Spirit. The Bible's very clear about this. In John 16, verse 7, it says, But very truly I tell you, it is for your good that I am going away. Unless I go away, the advocate, well, Jesus is an advocate, but listen to this, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Who do you think he's talking about? The Holy Spirit. Jesus is an advocate, but so is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit will take Jesus' place with us. Jesus can't be everywhere at the same time. He's got human form. But my friends, the Holy Spirit can be everywhere. And John 14, verse 16, And I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The Spirit of truth. Thy words are spirit and truth. My friends, these words are God-breathed, and there is power in the word. <clears throat> God spoke, and he created a world. God spoke, and he split the Red Sea. God spoke, and he raised the dead. There is power in the word. It transforms lives. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you. And will be where? In you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Do you realize the work and how vital the Holy Spirit is to our salvation and sanctification, justification? My friends, he is our comforter. He teaches and uh, he gives us understanding of the word. We can't understand the word like we should unless we pray for the spirit. He intercedes for us. He prays for us. He strives with men. That's what we read in the book of Genesis with the time of Noah. He strives with men. He reproves of sin. He convicts of sin. He guides us into truth. He does the work of regeneration. You must be born of the water and of the spirit. He quickens the memory and brings it back to our memory. He distributes his gifts to every man as he will. We are sealed by the Holy Spirit. We accept God. We are given the earnest. When we accept God, we are given the earnest of the Holy Spirit. He washes us, it says in Scripture. He makes us righteous and through the Holy Spirit, he helps us to mortify, mortify the deeds of the body. My friends, we talk sometimes about the Holy Spirit, but we don't talk enough about it. The Holy Spirit will bring Jesus' presence to us. But the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach all things and will remind you of everything I have said to you. What else does the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit will teach Jesus' truths to us. And then it says that, he will that we will testify of him. Notice what it says here. When the advocate comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who goes out from the Father will testify about me what is that 
talking about. The Holy Spirit will testify about Jesus through you and me. Not just by our words, but by the lives that we live. My wife and I flew flying out here, and I was praying. I don't know if my wife was praying, and she probably was. I was praying, help us to contact somebody, and we need to be praying this every day, not just on an airplane. Help us to come in contact with someone that we could share the gospel with. Gloria sat down, and she was... She sat down at this end, and I don't know, she looked at me, and she says, can I sit over there? She was kind of shy. She didn't know if we'd say yes or mine. I could just see that on her face. And anyway, she sat down, and, uh, and I didn't really say much. I was pleasant to her. She fell asleep. The refreshments came by. We didn't want to wake her, and so we got our refreshments. When she woke up about a half hour later, she says, have they come by with the refreshments? And I says, yes, but you were sleeping. And she was too shy to ask the stewardess to get her some water. So anyway, I stopped the stewardess. And I said, this man was sleeping. Uh, this lady was sleep, sleeping, and she would like to have some water. So we got her some water. My friends, she was happy about that. I don't know why, but she sensed that we were Christians. We were reading some books, and she probably noticed the titles. But she turned to my wife. She says, your husband uh, is a kind person. Now, you know what? I, I'm not saying that to pat me on the back because there's times I'm not kind. <laughs> I can be that way. <laughs> All my life, I've, tr I've been troubled with a hot temper. And it doesn't show itself very often. Right, you know, it used to be a Cat 5 hurricane when I was young. But now it's maybe a, a tropical storm starting to form. <laughs> but anyway, God's still working on me. I don't know what your sin is, but you got sin in your life. Don't tell me you don't. Don't tell me you've arrived and you're ready to be translated. My friends, we all need Jesus Christ and we need him desperately. So Jesus can take care of us. The Holy Spirit will speak Jesus' testimony through us. People don't care how much we know until they know how much we what? Care. In Acts 4, verse 12, my friends, by our lives, oh, I'm so educated, I got a doctorate here. Well, I use my PowerPoint, I use my computer to try to reach people. You know what? The early apostles in the early church didn't have any of that. All they had was the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit was enough. The greatest lack in the Adventist church is the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of love, the Spirit of God. In Acts 4, verse 12, the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they look at these, these uneducated men, these fishermen and rough, ruffians, uh, but they say this, now when they saw the boldness of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, untrained men, they marveled and they realized that they had been with Jesus. Christ. He's accessible to all, it says in the Desire of Ages 669. I like what John Wesley said. He says, give me 100 men that love nothing but God and hate nothing but sin, see nothing but the glory of God, and I will turn the world upside down. 
Ask every day for the Holy Spirit, the baptism, to be filled to the brim with the Holy Spirit. My friends, here's another statement from a preacher. He says, if the Holy Spirit, listen to this, if the Holy Spirit were taken away from our church today, 95% of what we do would continue and no one would notice the difference. And Testimonies, Volume 1, Ellen White seems to back it up in page 383. She says, the reason why there is so little of the Spirit of God manifested is that ministers learn to do without it. Isn't that sad? It's not just ministers. I'm getting down on ministers. I'm one. It's all of us. We're all ministers. We all belong to the priesthood of God. John Wesley went on to say this, God can do more with one man who has committed himself 100% to God than he can with a whole army of men who have only committed themselves 99% to God. I want to be not just 75%. I don't want to be uh, 90%. I want to be 100% surrendered to God. Let's sing that song. I surrender some. <laughs> No, my friends, it's I surrender all. You know, it's interesting. You can look at Luke chapter 11 if you want. Turn to page, uh, or Luke chapter 11, verse 1. We're going to look at the first 13 verses. And uh, I want to share this with you. Here we see the Lord's Prayer. And after the Lord's Prayer, we have a parable, a story about prayer, uh, about a request, and a lot of times prayers are about requests. And then the last few verses, the last three verses, 9 through 13 or so, uh, or more than that, but anyway, the last few verses deal with the Holy Spirit. Now, it's interesting. The disciples are walking along. They see Jesus praying, and they say, teach us to pray. You know, Jesus prayed quite a bit. He prayed sometimes all night. He would get up before the you know dawn and he would pray. He was a prayer warrior. And so anyway, he's praying and they're so impressed about how he's talking to God. And they say, teach us to pray. And you know, when you look at the Lord's Prayer, I'm sure you're familiar with it there, but it's right there in Luke chapter 11. There's seven requests in the Lord's Prayer. Have you ever had somebody say, you shouldn't be making so many requests? You should be praising God. Well, I believe that we should be praising God, but there's nothing wrong with making requests. Seven petitions, seven requests. Lord, thy will be done on heaven as it is on earth. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive uh, those that trespass against us. And lead us not in... Seven requests, all according to the will of God. Now, how important is prayer, and how important is it that we make requests of God? He delights when we make requests. And he goes into this story, he goes into this parable, uh, and you're familiar with it. It's in Luke 11, verse 5. Then Jesus said to them, suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have how much food? No food, or no bread, as the King James says. No bread to offer him. Ding dong, it's midnight. That's rude. Midnight, ding dong, ding dong. I've got a neighbor. I need bread. I have no food. I have no bread. Knock, knock, knock. Would you go away? You know, this is rude. Notice what happens here. It says, 
it says here in verse uh, 7, and suppose the one inside answers, don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children and I are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. And then it goes on to say, I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of persistence, importunity, as the King James says, NIV says, shameless audacity. I mean, this guy don't give up. Knock, 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 ding, dong, ding, dong. I need bread. I don't have any. And my friends, if I don't have any, I can't give my friend any. Are you spending time in the Word of God? Are you spending time in the bread of life? If I don't have that bread, I'm not going to be able to share anybody else any bread. Ding dong, we need to be like Jacob who wrestled with the angel and he wouldn't let go until God blessed him. Unless we get serious about this, we're never going to get the baptism of the Holy Spirit, not in its fullness. You stop and you think about the uh, paralytic. Uh, His friends bring him to Jesus. The house is so full, they can't get in. And what do the friends do? They don't give up. They want a blessing. They want a miracle. And so they climb on top of the house and they tear the roof off of the house. Talk about shameless audacity. Talk about persistence. All because they want to get to Jesus. How bad do you want to get to Jesus? Are you willing to... Hey, friend, good to see you. (laughs) Good to see you, man, Jerry. And so anyway, they tear the roof off and Jesus heals him. My friends, if you want your healing, if you want your bread, then be like Jacob and wrestle with that angel. Wow. Jesus links this parable, this problem of I have nothing, I have no bread. He links it with the request For the Holy Spirit. In verse 9. So I say to you. Ask. And it will be given to you. Not maybe. Not perhaps. It will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. Ten times he talks about ask, seek, knock. For everyone ask, receives. The one who seeks, finds. And the one who knocks, the door will be open. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will you give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will you give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven... Give the what to those that do what? Ask him. Ten times in that that, uh, closing statement of Jesus, ask for the Holy Spirit. Seek and knock. And you know what? If you look at this last word that is mentioned here in verse 13 where it says ask, if you look that up in the original Greek, it means continually ask. Not once, not long ago, not back in 1979 when I was baptized, but every single day I need my bread. Just like my body needs bread. My spirit needs bread too. Desire of Ages, page 672. She says, the promised blessing, that is the Holy Spirit, claimed by faith. I will talk about that more later. Claimed by faith brings all, how many? 
all other blessings in its train. Have you ever been at a train track and there's a locomotive that goes by and it's train car after train car after train car and you're there 10 minutes and it's still going by? Every other blessing. I can have love when people aren't so lovely. I can have joy and peace when I have cancer or heart disease or whatever's going on. I mean, it's a, there's a time and place for grief, but I'm not sunk in a rut. My friends, I can have joy. I can have rise upon the promises of God. And I, he wants to give us that love. He wants to give us the fruit of the Spirit and goodness and kindness and long-suffering, all those things. He wants to give us boldness to witness for him. It says, John indeed baptized with water, but you shall be baptized with the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit when we receive salvation. What does it mean to be baptized? It means that you're fully immersed with water. This involves the whole person. To be baptized, to be immersed of the Holy Spirit, means to be completely under the influence of the Holy Spirit. To be completely filled up by Him. And my friends, when we do, it's astounding. You can tell when someone's filled up with the Spirit of God. Do you remember that book, Philippians, and how uh, Paul was in jail? And he could have had his head cut off. And eventually he did have his head, caught, head cut off in Rome. I saw the prison in Rome where he was at, and where later on he would have his head cut off. Can you imagine a reporter coming up to Paul when he's in prison, and he could have had his head cut off, and say, Paul, what do you think about them maybe executing you, Paul? What do you think about that execution? I don't think about it. I think about Christ. To die is gain. Paul, Paul, don't you see that executioner? Don't you see his acts? No, I do not see him. Well, what do you see, Paul? I see Christ. To die is gain. You remember John Huss? being burned alive in Germany. I was there, I saw there in Constance, Germany, where he was burned alive. And you know the story, you've heard it a hundred times. But when they were setting him on fire, instead of screaming and yelling or saying, why did you let this happen, God? He had perfect peace. And he was singing songs about the Lord. And because of that, Others were converted watching him. My friends, when you're filled with the Spirit of God, old things pass away. All things become new. I'm not saying that you don't still have troubles. I'm not saying that you uh, still won't get frustrated, or you might gossip a little bit, or you might become a little judgmental, and they're not vegan yet. Uh, I, you know, and I believe in our health message. I'm not trying to put that down. But there's the world's sin, and there's the church's sin. God, help anoint our eyes with eye salve so that we may see. My friends, I want a deeper experience with Christ. I want to be filled up to the brim with God. And ye shall receive power, devotion by Ellen White, with the reception of this gift, the Holy Spirit, all other gifts would be ours. Why pray for a thousand things when we ought to be praying for the Holy Spirit? And if Jesus need to pray, how much more do I need to pray for the filling of the Holy Spirit? 
she goes on. She says, For we are to have this gift according to the plenitude of the riches of the grace of Christ. And he is ready to supply every soul according to the capacity to receive. You ever see those crazy commercials? Listen, if you buy this water, I'll... If you buy it in the next five minutes, I'll give you another gallon of water. I'll tell you what, Jesus is saying, if you take time and you ask and you persist and with shameless audacity, come to the throne of grace with great boldness, I'm going to give you every spiritual blessing you can think of. Why ask for a hundred gifts when you can have the Holy Spirit? It says, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who keep on asking. That's what it says in the original Greek. Continually ask him every single day, Lord, give me your Holy Spirit. Give it to my brothers. Give it to my sisters. Give it to my sons and daughters, to my mom and dad. Wow. Uh, why do we, why don't we obey and listen? Lord, help us. It says in Signs of the Times, Ellen White, morning by morning, Jesus communicated with his Father in heaven, receiving from him daily a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. He did that daily. Paul says, I die daily. The only way you can do that is through the Holy Spirit. In the Acts of Apostles, page 56, to the consecrated follower of Christ, there is a wonderful consolation in the knowledge that even Christ, during his life on earth, sought his Father, how often? Daily for the fresh supplies of needed grace. Morning by morning, he asked of the Father. Christ's object lessons. Our prayers are to be as earnest and persistent as was the petition of the needy friend who asked for the loaves at midnight. Soon we're going to be heading to the time of trouble. I am totally convinced, I think most of you are as well, that we are heading to the time of trouble. Man, you have to be blind not to see how things are happening. Prophecy is being fulfilled, and that's going to escalate, and that's going to happen a lot quicker than we think, and we're going to ask each other. I knew it was coming, but I didn't know it'd come so quickly. It's going to take the world by an overwhelming surprise, and it's going to take most of the church by an overwhelming surprise. We need to be the time of Jacob's trouble, wrestling with the angel. She says, how few know what it is to wrestle with God in prayer, she says in the great controversy. The more earnestly and steadfastly we ask, the closer will be our spiritual union with Christ. The more you ask, the closer you grow to Jesus. And I want to follow in the, his footsteps. What are the effects of the Holy Spirit? Let me share this closing story. It's supposed to be a true story. Somebody told it to me when I was 23 years old. Anyway, there's this guy named Mike, and he had—he was a Satanist. He was into the occult, and uh, you know, he was just a scuzzball. He was a a dopehead. He was just scum. But God loves scum. He loved this piece of scum. And God doesn't look like we look. God always looks for the gold. We look for the dirt. But anyway, uh, Mike, uh, these Christians kept on trying to witness to him, even though he was a drug addict and he was a scuzzball and all this stuff. And finally, he thought the law was after him, so he joined the Navy to get away from the police and to get away from these Christians. And when he joined the Navy, I think there were 75 in a company or something like that, and there was only two Christians out of those 75 people in his company. And in each company, they had these cubicles where you could hold three people. 
And he figured to himself, hey, two from 75 is 73. I don't have to worry about these stupid Christians because there's all these other people. He walks into his cubicle and he says, hi guys, how you doing? He says, well, praise God, my name is so-and-so. The other one says, yeah, praise the Lord, my name is so-and-so. And they witnessed to him all the way through boot camp. Camp. He would punch them out. He would argue with them. He'd scream at them and yell at them, tell them to shut up, get away from him. Finally, at the end of boot camp, uh, one of them came to him in the cubicle and said, you know, we're about ready to end boot camp and go our different ways. He says, I got to tell you about Jesus. He says, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to talk about Jesus. He says, Mike, I got to tell you about, I don't want to hear it. And they got into an argument, got into a fight, and he shoved Mike. I mean, he shoved this other guy, this Christian, shoved him so hard that this guy turned around to catch himself, and there was a table. He missed catching the table, and he caught the table just under his nose, and he hit so hard that he fell back, and he was laying on the floor. His eyes were turning black, broken nose, blood running out of his nose. And this Satanist, this Satanist, this occultist, he came, a drug addict, he came up to him, drug peddler, and he says, if you ever open, open your mouth about Jesus Christ to me, I'll wait until you're asleep one night, and I'll get a razor blade, and I'll open you up like a Christmas turkey. He says, Mike, I got to tell you about Jesus. What do you mean you got to tell me about Jesus? And he says, because Jesus loves you and I love you too. And he says, you're, you're laying there in a broken nose, blood running down your cheeks, and you're telling me you love me? He says, that's because you don't know what love is. He says, okay, smart guy, what's love? And he wiped his nose, this Christian, he wiped the blood off his nose and mouth. He lifted it up in the air. He says, 2,000 years ago, Jesus gave his blood for you. And if you're good enough for Jesus, you're good enough for me. A lot of arguments this Mike had up to that point. But man, he didn't know what to say to that. He turned around and walked out. The next night he came back into the barracks and he came in and he saw a Bible. It was open. And he knew that that Christian probably left it there, left it open. And he thought, man, what makes that guy like the way he is? And he didn't know where to read, where to start. He just looked down where his thumb was. And he read this text for the very first time. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Amen. He thought about that. He went over to this mop closet because he didn't want to be seen. He knelt down inside that mop closet, closed the door, got down on his knees. He didn't know what to say. He didn't know how to pray. He just said to God, he says, God, if this is not a joke, make me like one of them. And my friends, the point of that whole story is this. It's not about just our knowledge and how smart we are. Oh boy, I can explain the prophecies of Revelation. I can tell you that the Sabbath is right and the state of the dead and blah, 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 blah. But my question is, and this is really something for us to think about. This is what's lacking, the love of God in our lives. I want to have more of it. I don't want Keith Noel to live. I want Christ in me the hope of glory. 
And uh, that's the point of that whole story. That's the point of the Holy Spirit. He works transformation. He changes lives. Old things pass away. We become united. We become a mighty force. And when that happens, we will see the loud cry. And we will see the character of God. The world will see the character of God in his people. And the earth will be lightened with its glory. And then this message, the three angels' message, will go like fire in the hay field. That's the truth. Let's bow our heads for prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, we desperately need the Holy Spirit. I need it every single day. I don't want to act like I'm a child of Satan. I don't want to be played by him. I want to be totally, completely, let you be the Lord of my life. I want to let go of every minutia that hurts your heart. I think of that sanctuary and the burnt offering when the, the sacrifice burnt offering was laid there on that altar of burnt offering. It was consumed. It was burned up. It symbolized to some degree, to a large degree, surrender. Complete surrender. Lord, help us today completely surrender to you. Totally and completely. Help us to be connected Every day to you, help us to receive your mind, your spirit in our hearts. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.